you were here before We didn't have a show About Radiohead But now we do <laughs> We want you to listen To this episode We hope you enjoy it Please fucking enjoy it I'm a serious series of utmost importance. What the hell is this podcast about? It's about series. It's about series. <laughs> That is so great. I think that's the best uh, intro yet. (laughs) Is it too late to submit to the Grammys for this year? Welcome back to a serious series of utmost importance. The series. I'm your host, Tom. And I'm another host, Neil. Hello, Neil. Hello. What are we talking about today? What is the series that we're going to do? So we uh, got a lot of feedback from our Twitter followers. (laughs) And the most requested episode of last week was, of course, Radiohead. Of course, what else would people be talking about in 2019? (laughs) Exactly. They actually released a new single last month. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, I mean, they. I feel like they can just release anything at any time and just like put it online. They do. It was Illwind, released in January 2019, and it's classic, current Radiohead. Ambient. Really sprawling and ambient, sort of just Tom York humming to himself while he's cooking eggs. I don't. You know, based on the description, I always think I'm going to hate it. And then it's like, oh, this is actually pretty good. <laughs> it's pretty good. <laughs> no, it's always fantastic. So in researching this episode, all, all of the, the members of Radiohead, Radiohead have done outside of Radiohead have done some really cool but stuff the two like, on their own that mm-hmm. have done the coolest, the coolest stuff. The two that have done the coolest stuff Tom York and Johnny Greenwood. Yeah, for sure. Um, I know, you know, Tom York has definitely done a lot of his own solo mm-hmm. uh, music to pretty big critical acclaim. Um, his one big, or I guess his first big solo album, um, it was huge. It was Eraser back in 2006. I'm sure we'll touch on it in a little bit, but, mm-hmm. um, he also did a, the music for the movie Suspiria, which was a remake of, I think it was an Italian movie, kind of a disturbing uh, movie. Yeah. Yeah. Did you watch it? I did not watch it. Um, the remake or the original? I didn't, I've not seen either of them. I heard, I think the original is like an extremely disturbing movie. I've heard that about the current one. Really? Yep. 
But between Eraser and the Suspiria soundtrack, he did Tomorrow's Modern Boxes. Really? What's, what's that? I think it's an LP. It's eight songs. Okay. And he also just randomly releases some singles sometimes. But before we get into the solo stuff, let's just start at the beginning with Radiohead. What do you think? Yeah. Um, big fan of Radiohead. Like, for a while, it was one of the only things I listened to um, because they have such a such a vast discography and really, like, a lot of the albums are really different from one another. Like, you can definitely see the transformation of the, of the band from, like, a, basically just another... English guitar band from the 90s along with like Oasis um, and Blur and then around um, like I guess OK between OK Computer um, and Kid A Kid A yeah they really went a lot more electronic um, and have like continued exploring and kind of going down that towards ambient so but I I really love like all of their albums and like you can just pick one album for whatever your mood is and you know then next week choose a different one if you're like feeling more rock or feeling something quiet or whatever. So I'm a big fan. I don't know about you. You love all their albums? I never listened to Pablo Honey. What? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know the song Creep. Otherwise Pablo Honey was pretty much panned. What about Anyone Can Play Guitar? Is that an album? No, that's a song on Pablo Honey. Oh, no. That's a really good song. I'm actually not familiar. So I agree for the most part. I like pretty much all of their albums, except um, I think my biggest gap is Hail to the Thief. I haven't really listened to that one. Mm, that one's... I, I think that one's okay. It's probably one of their weak ones. And I... The King of Limbs, I wasn't as big on either it was super ambient yeah so they formed in 85 in abingdon they were part of the same boarding school so radiohead is tom york colin greenwood is the bassist johnny greenwood his little brother uh he just plays a ton of instruments ed o'brien um is on guitar i think um i thought he was the oh he is the guitar yeah Okay, and then Phil Selway is drums. Right. And they eventually added, like, another drummer, I remember. At one. Hmm. So I think with all these British bands, the producer is sort of like an unofficial fifth or sixth member. Nigel Godrich. What do you think? Yeah. Right. He's really big. It's kind of like the Beatles, um, where the producer is, like, so influential in, in creating the music. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was thinking of. So they started as the band on a Friday, because that's the day they usually practiced. Good working, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they got uh, Big Around 91 after college, and then they signed a six-album deal with EMI, and right after they signed, they changed their name to Radiohead, which, which I'm sure you know. I do know, which is the name of a Talking Heads song, which if you listen to it, you would be shocked. Like, you'd be absolutely shocked that Radiohead chose that song. Like, it's such a... Really? I haven't listened to it. It's such a, like, wacky, jangly song. That it had, it, it's like the exact polar opposite of Radiohead's music. Which actually makes it all the better that they chose <laughs> that. 
It's a jangly song? What does that mean? <laughs> um, it's kind of like silly. There's like horns and stuff. It's really out there when talking heads are just kind of weird. I. That's interesting that you talk about the horns because some of their solo stuff um, have cool mm-hmm. horn work. We'll get there later, but I'm specifically thinking of Johnny Greenwood. Their first EP that they released was Drill in 1992. Have you listened to this? I haven't. I didn't even know it existed. I found it on YouTube. It's four songs. And surprisingly, I felt like I had heard some of them before. Really? But I'm not sure. Maybe it just sounded sounded really similar to Pablo Honey. Um. But the four songs are Prove Yourself, Stupid Car, You, and... <laughs> thinking about you wow just like mumford and son sing about holding your hand i think radiohead's thing was singing about you yeah they definitely (laughs) they really changed how they named their songs that's the exact moment in this episode where we lost any radiohead fan it's when we compared radiohead to mumford and sons we're sorry listeners oh that's true you know what? Mumford and Sons could always turn themselves around and become the next Radiohead. It's not too late. <laughs> um, I'm ready. I'm ready for Mumford and Sons to go through their trippy, experimental, ambient music phase. I'm there for it. Yeah. Maybe they'll go like rap experimental, though. <laughs> like Death Crypt. <laughs> oh, God. So, Drill, they actually didn't like. They changed producers right afterwards for Pablo Honey. And, of course, the big song on that is Creep. Yep. What do you think about Creep? Um, I mean, it's, like, it's such a classic song, I guess, like, for karaoke or just, like, you hear, like, out and about, you know? Um, is it classic for karaoke? I mean, if you're depressed or something. Yeah, because I think it would really, <laughs> it really bring would. down the mood. But you always have one friend who's just, like, you know, someone sings, like, Sweet Child of Mine, and then he's like, I got something for you guys. I think I would be that friend. <laughs> um, but I try to sing more upbeat songs at karaoke. Oh, for sure. But I would love to sing Creep. I would love a day when just, like, something... Not that I want something terrible to happen in the world, but let's say something terrible happened, and everyone was feeling down, and someone said, let's go to karaoke to <laughs> cheer up. I would fucking rock creep. <laughs> is it their most famous song? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I'm going to put on my pretentious hat right now and say for non-Radiohead fans, it's their most famous song. But no self-respecting Radiohead thought band would say that. I would definitely say this is the first song that I heard of theirs. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I think I heard it in South Park. Oh, was it? the Scott Turnerman episode? It might have been. Carmen was singing Creep. Well, that was the one where Radiohead was in it. <laughs> Remember that? Oh, yeah. Now that you mention it, I do. He, uh, he's crying because he Carmen ate, made, him, made him eat his parents. Yeah. And then he invited Radiohead, which is his favorite band, and they're like, oh, you're such a, you're such a wimp. You're crying. We hate you. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great episode. That was a great episode. Is this when they started getting the reputation? Well, this is their first big release, so this is definitely yeah. when they started getting the reputation of just being really sad music. 
Yes. Um, and one thing that I thought was a myth, but now I see it on Wikipedia, so it must be true, is that it was blacklisted by BBC Radio because it was too depressing. Really? I, I remember my cousin told me that once, and I was like, I believed him, and then after a while I was like, that's, that's bullshit. But apparently it's true. It was it was blacklisted. Wow. Um, different time. The 90s. <laughs> 1993. Yeah. They started hating playing this song already during the tour for Pablo Honey. Wow. The album bombed in the UK, but it was really popular in the US and I think Israel. Really? In Israel? Yeah, I'm not sure why Israel, but in the US... It was right around the time um, yeah. that the alt-rock movement in the U.S. was beginning. Right, it just fit in. Everyone was sad in the 90s. Angsty. <laughs> Angsty. <laughs> Much flannel. Is that why everyone's sad now? Because flannel came back? Yeah. That makes sense. Direct correlation. So you really haven't listened to Pablo Honey besides Creep? I haven't. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. When I, like, when I... Uh, really was into Radiohead. I was also reading a lot of like uh, Pitchfork <laughs> and subscribing to whatever their opinions were, and I think they gave it a really low review. So I was like, I'm never listening to that. Um, that sounds like a teenager into alt rock. Yeah, I will say I do like Creep. It's a really really good song. It's not my favorite Radiohead song by any means, but it's it's really good. Yeah, and it's a good song to sing along to. Anyone Can Play Guitar is a fantastic song. And I think I liked Ripcord also. Uh, Ripcord. What do you think of... I mean, this is sort of tangential to Pablo Honey, but I guess not really. What do you think when a band doesn't like playing their most famous song live? So part of the reason I mention that is because I saw MGMT live um, a little while ago. I mean, maybe five, six years ago at this point, And... I wanted them to play kids, and I think they're another band that just doesn't like playing their most famous song. And, I mean, there were other issues with that set, but they just didn't play kids, and I was so disappointed. I... It doesn't bother me, I think. I mean... I, I understand. Like, especially... Okay, it would be... I think it's weird in the case of Radiohead that you said they already hated it. Like, they... On their first, first big tour. tour. I would just be like, shut up and play it. But if like, if now in 2019 they went on tour and someone was like, play Creep, and that was 27 years ago, I would totally understand like why you wouldn't want to play it. It's funny. Um, apparently, I've, ne I've never seen Radiohead live. Yeah. I really, really want to. But apparently they've mellowed out over the years and now will sometimes play Creep. Huh. They're not. Yeah, I mean, they're probably like, around 50 i would guess or like maybe in their 40s right so do you know the urban legend of how the song was recorded no what is it the band was sort of just jamming out and they had the song written and they were playing it and they did it all in one take and they didn't know people were recording and after they finished everyone just started clapping which already that sounds really <laughs> fake as far as urban legends go but then uh johnny greenwood listened to the track and he hated mm -hmm. it because it was too soft. So he added all the angry guitar. Oh, which is great. I love that part. And maybe that's the best part of the song, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, I like that urban legend. 
Yeah, I think maybe it's true, maybe it's not, but it's a great story for the origin of that song anyways. So Radiohead will neither confirm nor deny that is what happened. <laughs> exactly. Did they do anything between Pablo Honey in 93 and The Bend in 95? I mean, I think there's like some early EPs and there, I guess there was a, a full EP in between. Oh, Itch. Um, yeah, so... It's their second EP, and it was released exclusively in Japan oh, in 1994. Looks... No new material, though. Yeah, it's just live version, or acoustic version. Um, yeah, I think we can jump to uh, the bands. The bands, yeah. The bands. Technically, My Iron Lung was an EP that released before the bands, though. This is the first one that Nigel Godrick worked on with Radiohead. Ah, the EP. Yeah. There's also the, huh? I, I was gonna say they also did the acoustic version of Creep on that EP. Ah. Apparently, from this EP, my Iron Lung was included in Clueless, the movie in 1995. Oh. Seems very out of place now. Yeah, and also, I think you could technically just consider that from the Benz, you know, not from the EP necessarily. Yeah, no, it definitely isn't. It's a, definitely a, the Benz uh, song. The Benz. Uh, what's your impression of the Benz? The Benz is actually the first full Radiohead album that I listened to. And how would you describe it? I would describe it like this. I first listened to the album in high school which I think is the perfect time to get into Radiohead, yeah? Yeah. And it blew everything that I had previously heard um, in the genre of alt-rock, everything that I had previously heard before Out of the Water. I loved it. Yeah. It, it's pretty epic, and I mean, it definitely, I think, still falls into that alternative rock category because it's like mainly guitar focused um and i think it's right before they started really doing a more experimentation it is yeah so it's kind of like the high point in the i would consider it the high point of the early phase of their career yeah um, i would definitely agree with that but yeah i mean just looking over the track list i think i think every every song is at least good um, sometimes some of them are like better than others, I think. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, there's an unusually high proportion of songs on this album that I would just love to listen to on its own. Yes, the only songs on this album that I wouldn't consider um, classics yeah. are what Bones, maybe Nice Dream, uh, Black Star, and Sulk. Everything else yeah. is fantastic. Um, especially Planet Telex, High and Dry, Fake Plastic Trees, and uh, My Iron Lung. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that's a fair assessment. I mean, like, some of them are, like, super... I would say, you know, the Benz is, like, big. Um, high and Dry, flake, Fake Plastic Trees. Yeah, man. There's a lot of songs that still hold up. Yeah, absolutely. But what's your favorite song on this album? Uh, that's a tough question. Um, 
I really like the Benz a lot. I think... I, I guess I would have to say the Benz. But I really like Street Spirit Fade Out. And sometimes if you want like a slow, a slow sing-along song, like High and Dry is good if you really want to get into falsetto. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I think actually I was listening to this song... Um, and my dad was driving me home and high and dry came on and he just goes like, ugh, I hate it when guys sing in falsetto. <laughs> that just means they have a, that, that they don't have a talented singing voice. That's a uh, fair, that's fair, I guess. I don't think that's necessarily true for Tom York though. I think he just likes singing in falsetto. He really does. He really, really does. Pull it off. What, what's your favorite? So my favorite song, I think, is... Uh, my top three are definitely Planet Telex, Fake Plastic Trees, and My Iron Lung. Mm. Mm-hmm. But I think Fake Plastic Trees is my number one. Really? Wow. Fake Plastic Watering Can? Yeah. It's interesting when you come to an album like this, which is obviously, you know, very critically acclaimed, but it's interesting when you come completely blind. Um, I wish I could experience more things like that, but, um, yeah, on its own, uh, on its own merits, I just really, really like fake plastic trees. Yeah. I, I mean, I definitely did not have that experience. I, uh, before I listened to the album in its entirety, I had listened to probably like the five most popular songs from this album um and then many years later gone back and listened to the rest of it so i had a different experience and i think i mean it kind of allowed me to like focus on the ones that are less popular but i didn't have the blind experience that you had of like knowing what already were the most popular songs that people like have loved for like 10 years or something I'm yeah that that's a great yeah. great way of having got it got into the band. Well, it was um my friend was giving me music recommendations in high school um and he asked do you like the song Creep and I said yeah. I'm cool and I'm, I'm angsty, I'm edgy. Edgy. Yeah. Yeah. Now listen to the bends they said. Um so this is the first album that they really had a lot of keyboard use on. Uh-huh. The beginning. So after the bends, what did they do? Also, wait, wait. Um, I didn't know what the bends were listening to this song. Yeah. Until like five years later. It never really came across my mind to figure out what they were. And it. And that was because it was in like a biology yeah. class or something. And the bends, which you've heard of, and I thought. Which, which some, when someone Scuba comes diving. up from a dive really quick, and I thought, that's weird that they named this after a Radiohead song. <laughs> um, it also has a great album cover of the, the CPR <laughs> dummy. Oh my god, is that what that is? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's one of those things that I've seen so many times that I just accept it on its own merits it. without ever thinking what it was. And it's 100% an ER dummy. Wow. Super dummy. I missed so many great Snapchat opportunities. 
Just because I'm around all these CPR dummies all the Not time. Not too late, man. Go find the stash. <laughs> So, after the bend is... OK Computer. Yeah. Which I think today is still considered, their, by most people, like their magnum opus. Although, it's it's definitely debatable. Like, since there's so many phases of their career, it's debatable. But I think it's generally seen as the highest point, or at least their maturity, maybe you could say. their full Where they entered their full maturity. The apotheosis of Radiohead. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, I think I would agree that it's the end of phase one of their career and into phase two. Yeah, yeah, it's a transition. I don't know that if um, I would agree it's the best album, but, you know, maybe it is. It's it's really good, I would say that. Um, it's It's a lot slower, I think, than... And it's a lot, it's a lot slower for sure. And when I listen to the whole thing, pull through compared to the bend, I feel a little bit sluggish and you know <laughs> down. So for that reason, I don't listen to it all the time. Like I'll choose like a couple songs, but um, you know, it it's a little sadder, I would say. But yeah, definitely a lot of great great songs and like very like musically beautiful yeah songs like absolutely arrangements it's a testament to how skilled they all are that um despite you know changing the aesthetic of the whole thing it's still recognizably radiohead and it's still fantastic music oh yeah i would argue more i would argue that they changed more between okay computer and kid a though than between the bends and uh okay computer oh for sure way more experimental because a lot of the tracks on this are, they still have some really traditional uh, alt-rock guitar. Yep. I think the one I'm thinking of specifically is Karma Police. What's the best song on this album? The best song? I mean, the I, I kind of have to choose the most popular one, maybe. Paranoid Android. Is that the most popular? I think that's the most popular song from this. All right. But... No surprises. Very great, very great song. So that that's funny. Um, the reason that I wanted to do this episode this week um, is last week I was scrolling through the internet as one does during work hours because you're not actually working. Yep. Um, and I found this cover of No Surprises by Young the Giant. Oh. And Young the Giant, I actually really like these days. I didn't in the past... Because I thought they were just the band that did, um, what's that one, Cough Syrup. Yeah, indie rock. But I would say they're actually a really, really talented band. I saw them a couple of years ago in a concert with uh, Cold War Kids. And I really, really like Cold War Mm. Kids. And I didn't really know anything about Young the Giant. But I came out of that concert liking Young the Giant more than Cold War Kids. Whoa. They were really, really good live. And since then I've been a big fan. So they did the Sirius XM session where they covered No Surprises. And that was the first time I coherently knew what the lyrics were. Oh, really? Like, which which part? The handshake of carbon monoxide. 
Oh. I always sort of picked up every other word. <laughs> and if it was ever something that was really important to me, I would have looked it up. But it was just one of those things. Um, so it was really, really good lyrics, and it made me want to listen to the original more. So I've been on this uh, Radiohead yeah. binge for the last week. And that's why I suggested we do it this week. Ah. There you go. That's the seed for this episode. Young the Giant. Yep. Um, but, so I would say definitely um, right now my favorite song on the album is No Surprises. Mm-hmm. But um, generally in the past it's been Karma Police. Yeah. And, I mean, I really like Airbag. Also, I think Lucky is a good song. And it's really... Like, which one? Luck. I, I always confuse these two, but one of them is, like, about a guy who... I think Airbag is about a guy who almost dies, right? But for an airbag. But Lucky is a guy who also... I'm probably messing this up, but who al- almost dies and then instead becomes a superhero. Oh, is it really? I don't actually remember um, Airbag or Lucky, but I just assumed Lucky was a cover of Britney Spears. <laughs> I have to admit, like when I when I was looking through the track list, that's the that's the music that came into my head as well. <laughs> She's so lucky. No, no, it's got to be in Tom York's falsetto. She's so lucky. She's a Um, uh, what do you think of Fitter Happier? It always reminds me of Daft Punk. Does it really? Yeah, because it's a robot talking. Fitter, happier, more productive. Right? Yeah. Um, but it doesn't specifically remind me of Daft Punk, because, uh, you know, Daft Punk are more, like, happy music robots, and this is more of a, you know, normal working robot. Yeah, it's a scarier robot. I like Daft Punk's robots. I like that. I wouldn't say it's scarier. Um, what's the word for something that's very, like, um, oh, utilitarian. That's the word. Yeah. I'd say this is a utilitarian robot. Sure. But it's something disturbing about it. Yeah, there is. Um, yeah, so uh, I was listening to uh, the song for the first time in, uh, not the first time <laughs> today. I was listening to it for the first time in a while today, and at the end... Um, the robot guy has some line about antibiotics and makes the rest of the song seem like it's about, um, you know, these cog, everyone who's a cog in the machine working the nine to fives. Sheeple. They're just cattle. Freaking sheeple. Wake up, sheeple. Listen to Radiohead. <laughs> exactly. Um, did you, uh, in 2017, they released this 20th anniversary version of OK Computer called um, OK Computer, OK Not OK, 1997-2017. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never listened to it. It has a remastered version of the album, a bunch of B-sides, and uh, three new tracks. Um, apparently during the sessions where they were recording OK Computer, they um, they made like over 20 songs, and eventually the track list was just the 12 songs that are on OK Computer, and a lot of the alternate songs that didn't make it are maybe considered more upbeat. Cool. Um, but yeah, I haven't listened to it. Have you? I haven't. 
<laughs> um, I'm sure most of it is the same as this one. Yeah. That's that's a fair guess. So it's remastered. Does that mean that they admit that some things could have been better? Yeah, I mean, maybe they're admitting it wasn't as good as it could have been. They think the original release was a piece of shit. Who knows? So after OK Computer, apparently the band almost broke up mm -hmm. um, due to exhaustion from touring so much and Tom York's depression. But I heard it's pretty darn bad at like late 90s. Pretty serious. That makes a lot of sense. Just yeah. giving their music, you know? Yep. I was watching the Lego movie, the second part yesterday, <laughs> as one does. And there's a joke in that movie about when someone's, you know, it's a really dire situation and everything seems really depressing. And someone says, I finally understand Radiohead. That's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> that makes me want to see that movie. <laughs> it was all right. It wasn't as good as the first one. That's because the first part. So anyway, fortunately, they did not break up. And instead of breaking up, they produced Kid A, which for the longest time was probably my favorite album and still might be my favorite album by them. Def really? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I was really, I think to me, this is like the ultimate in their, well, it, it certainly kicks off the second phase of their career and it kind of kicks off the electronic phase yeah. that has, or at least the un electronic currents that have been present in all of their music since this album. Yeah, absolutely. I would say even more so than OK Computer, this one is the, the really move into electronic music. Yeah, for sure. Um, and just like from the first song, you really, you know, it's totally different than like <laughs> Benz or something. And I, oh man. Just like having really good speakers and like turning it up and, and putting on everything in its right place is so satisfying. Just like the synth or, or whatever, the electronic fuzzy sounds of the beginning of that song. Ah, just it's the best. I would I would say it's a very good album and I regret that I didn't listen to your advice for many years and listen to yeah. it because you've been you've yeah. been telling me maybe since since the first day I knew you, that yeah, you said, it's really good. I said, hi, Tom, I'm Neil. You said, hi, Neil, I'm Tom. Listen to Kid A. <laughs> and I didn't listen to it until last year or the year before. Mm -hmm. And it, it's so, so good. Yeah. It's not my favorite album of theirs, but it's so, so good. Yep. I mean, everything in its right place. I already extolled the virtues of that song. Really, really like the national anthem. Also, yeah, that's definitely it's just that's like, my favorite song on this. Ah, uh, it's great. Just like all the noise and how loud it is, and also like the creepy, like it sounds like a UFO or something. Yeah, like warbly noise in the middle of it. <laughs> um, I, I never actually told you. I realized why I started listening to Kid A finally in the end. Um, why? Have you seen the movie Kubo and the Two Strings? No, I don't even know what that is. So it's the it's this movie company called Leica. They do all these stop motion movies like Coraline and uh, yeah, um, others. And they did this movie called Kubo and the Two Strings. And 
it's about this boy. He's wandering through, I, I think it's supposed to be set in Japan, and there's like a talking monkey and things like that. And anyways, all the soundtrack is scored by, I think, the Yoshida brothers, who are this mm-hmm. um, group that does this Japanese-style music. And I'm not exactly sure what the Japanese uh, string instrument is called, but do you know what I'm talking about? I know what you're talking about. It it looks like a lute or something. Yeah, like exactly. And strings. Exactly. And one of the songs on this uh, soundtrack is a cover of the national anthem done really? in this style. It, yeah, it's on the Yoshida Brothers uh, Prism album, and it's really, really, really good. Oh, wait, sorry, it's not on the soundtrack. What happened is, because of that score, I started listening to the Yoshida Brothers, and one of the... And the album, Prism. Exactly, on one of their albums, Prism, yep. has this cover of the national anthem, Ooh. and like it was that. really, really, really good. And it made me want to listen to the original national anthem more, just like with Young the Giant and No Surprises. And listening to the original National Anthem more is why I started listening to the entire album, and I just kicked myself for not doing it sooner. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. So what else do you like about this album? I like How to Disappear Completely. Um, Mm -hmm. I really wanted to like motion picture soundtrack, but I just didn't love it. It's a weird ending. It is a little bit weird. It's like two songs. Yeah. And then a lot of silence. (laughs) Yeah. What's your favorite part of the album? So, you know, Everything in its Right Place and The National Anthem are my favorite song. But I really like Optimistic. Um, in Limbo is decent. And I really like Idiotech. Oh, yeah. Idiotech is um, great. As well as, as well as Morning Bell. It's, I actually don't remember Morning Bell. What's that one? It goes, Morning Bell, Morning Bell. Oh, that one. <laughs> And they actually, I mean, we'll get to this. Maybe this, um, maybe this is a transition to next album. But they did the morning bell on another later album, but just in a different version. Really? Yeah. Um, this was not received well, Kid A. Really? Yeah. People. Um, it came out in two thousand. Maybe. There was a split over the reviews. Now it's regarded as a great moment in their career, a great album. But at the time, I think it was such a jarring transition from what people expected as Radiohead that mm. they just weren't feeling it. It's pretty funny because then later on, I know at least Pitchfork, let's see, Pitchfork, Rolling Stone, Times in the UK... Um, all rated it as the number one album of the 2000s. Interesting. Yeah. It was another another thing that they did during this album that was sort of pioneering was, I think they didn't do any press for this album. Mm. They just made a website for it. Right. And they sort of let the website do all the promotion for them. And they ended up doing like a lot of uh, interesting stuff with the release of their music. And I guess this was probably like the first first experiment that they did. Yeah, exactly. Um, their album after this, Amnesiac in 2001, I sort of consider still part of Kid A because they were all recorded during the same sessions. Like a two-part Radiohead podcast, maybe. Yeah, it's kind of interesting that they did it like that. And uh... um, Yeah, so is there anything on this album that you consider to be as good as Kid A? 
Um, I mean, yeah, in general, it, it's it's almost a lesser kid A, although I do I do really like it. Um, I mean, I'm a big fan of the song Pyramid Song. Fun fact, sampled by Kendrick Lamar in the album The Pimple Butterfly. Wow. Um, I Might Be Wrong is a really good song. Knives Out, fantastic. I think, to be completely honest, the only song that I've heard on this album is Pyramid Song. It's an underrated, it's, it's definitely an underrated uh, album. I mean, it's really a lot of the, it's basically all of the electronic parts in Kid A are just like, like let's just keep going down this rabbit hole with Amnesiac. Um, but I recommend, I might be wrong, Knives Out, Life in a Glass House is really good. Really, really good. Yeah. And they, going back to the horns thing, big use of horns in Life in a Glass Ooh. House. It's really good. Uh, I'm not I'm not sure if I mentioned on the show yet, but I used to play the saxophone, which I think is why I feel an affinity for songs that have just fantastic horns. <laughs> horns. I know a saxophone isn't technically a horn, but I always grouped into my mind with the trumpets. How dare you? It's a reed instrument. <laughs> a woodwind. <laughs> a woodwind. Um, album cover of Amnesiac. Always, like, if I stare at it long enough, I realize what it is. I never, when I first look at it, I just think it's like a black and red rectangle or something. But I think it's actually a book that is on its back or something with a little bit of a drawing of a depressed guy in a corner. It depicts a weeping minotaur. That's a minotaur? That's a minotaur, apparently. <laughs> Not a very good one. <laughs> It's a, uh, the artist who did this was Stanley Donwood. Apparently, he's a longtime collaborator with Radiohead. And he said the artwork was inspired by taking the train to London. And in his mind, London was like the labyrinth. He saw the city as an imaginary prison. Wow. So that's why there's a sad I know. depressed man on this album. Now I, know. now I know why the Lego movie second part <laughs> has this commentary on Radiohead. Uh, anything else to say about Amnesiac? Not Amnesiac, but I, I will say, like, around around the time of Amnesiac or Kid A, mm -hmm. um, there's a song called True Love Waits. I don't know if you're familiar with it. So they they recorded it yeah. as, uh, it was just, it, for the longest time, it was just, the only recording was a live version. Yes, yes. It was yes. really, really goddamn good. Um, it's It was basically just, like, if you really like Tom York's falsetto, which Neil's dad does not, along with like just a, a live acoustic guitar, it's really damn good. Yes, um, yes, this is the one. Um, I, I I'd heard that as um, the song uh, on a moon-shaped pool, right? And I knew at the time that it, it was a the, like the first official album recording of this famous song that they've done. Yeah. But I've never actually listened to the original. Yeah. It's, um, I mean, I was really pumped when I heard that they were actually doing a full album recording. Mm -hmm. And I was a little under, <laughs> underwhelmed because it's, it's a more, um, I guess, it's a more laid back, or I don't know, it's a more, 
restrained version than the live version, which just feels like it has like a ton of emotion behind it, um, which I think is why it's like one of the most popular songs among Radiohead fans. Um, I think it was also popular because it was like not on an album. So, yeah, you know, part of being a Radiohead fan is being a little pretentious and like thinking, (laughs) you know, real music that you like Radiohead. Yeah. But anyway, that, that that recording came out around the time of these two albums. Um, I thought it was worth highlighting. Fan favorite. Yeah, definitely. Um, and right after Amnesiac, we got Hail to the Thief. Is that correct? That's right. Hail to the Thief. In 2003. Which is okay. Um, I mean, yeah, I think this is, like you said, you know, maybe a down album. It's not bad, but it's, it just doesn't hold up quite as well as the rest of their material. Yeah. It's the, as I said earlier, this is the big gap in my Radiohead uh, discography, I think, because I just never really listened to it. I'm not sure exactly why that is, because I, I think it's not supposed to be bad or anything by any means. It's just it's not. It's not as unique as some of their other albums, I would say. No. Yeah, I, I mean, I would highlight like two plus two equals five is pretty good. I think they're good at so many different instruments because they uh, they suck at math. <laughs> um, there, there is a good song. I re- I like the song "We Suck Young Blood," <laughs> and I I will is actually I'm I'm a big fan. It's another falsetto heavy song. But um, <laughs> oh my god, there's a song called Mixomatosis. Yeah, what is Mixomatosis? So Mixomatosis. Um, it's a uh, disease that is transmitted by rabbits uh, caused by the Mixoma virus. That's weird. <laughs> how do they how did they even find out about this thing? About the virus? Yeah. In Uruguay in the late 19th century <laughs> and then it was introduced oh, into Australia in 1950 to course. control the rabbit population. You can have an infectious disease playlist. <laughs> oh my I actually I think I already do. What else would be on it? Like, uh... oh, I know that what? song, uh, Russell Brand song, the clap, <laughs> <laughs> just the clap and mixomatosis. Exactly. You could also put the unicorn song in the clap as well. What's the unicorn song? It's the clap. What? There's a song by the unicorns called the clap. Oh, oh, by the unicorns. I thought you were saying a Russell Brand or Radiohead song called the oh, unicorn. No. You don't know that disease, the unicorn? Ah, yes, of course. All right, so that was the end of uh, their first six albums, the end of their initial contract with EMI. Uh, And that is where we're going to stop this episode of our uh, series, Examining Radiohead. And this is where we'll pick up next time. Thanks for listening. And, um, yeah. You know. Go listen to some Radiohead.